last Tuesday, Samia Connections read Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know what I have planned for you. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. And I was immediately drawn to the idea that uh, God was telling the people that he was going to lead the land into a Sabbath rest for 70 years. And they were going to be captives in Babylon. He's telling them that before he tells them that I have good plans for you. And uh, it makes me feel like we're in a Sabbath season right now. We're forced into our houses. Uh, We're forced to um, just do life differently than what we have. And, And in some ways, this is a very similar situation. The backstory of uh, that Jeremiah verse was that apparently from about the time of David um, through the fall of Jerusalem, they hadn't been keeping the Sabbath years. In fact, a, 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 medieval, a medieval historian, Jewish historian uh, or scholar named Mammonites uh, said that it worked out uh, one year for every year that they had missed of the Sabbath keeping, where out of Leviticus, uh, God had told Moses on Mount Sinai that they were supposed to um, do a Sabbath every um, seventh year, and he had told them later in that same um, book, in the in same time, that if they didn't do it, he was going to haul them out and give the land rest, so pretty amazing thought that we're in one of those seasons where in some ways we are being forced into a Sabbath and uh, you know, we've got to, to figure out, okay, what else is, what do we need to accomplish during this season? The other thought that I have in connection with this is that the gods of our age are being dismantled. We've put a lot of energy into a thought about health with exercise and diet and the rest and Here's something that uh, we're vulnerable to, and, and it makes us realize that uh, just all of this is fragile. Uh, I was thinking of the uh, the gods of this age, so to speak, um, like our sports. For years, I've loved March Madness. It's my favorite, favorite thing to watch on TV. In fact, we would turn the TV off at our home through the fall season And through the summer, and sometimes it would last till fall, but somehow it always came on in March um, because I wanted to watch. And it's interesting to me, it's called Madness, March Madness. (laughs) I think there's some significance there. But also um, just our security and our wealth, it's all being challenged. And so this is a time to build our personal lives. Uh, But we've, we've got to refuse to fill our time with junk. And that's, that's the big challenge. Uh, every home I walked into, including my own, is filled with electronic screens. And we've got to learn how to use that for our benefit and to shudder the things that uh, are ill about it. Um, in a sense, we're, we're shut down because of, of ill health and the potential of it, but just think of what would happen if our whole electronic system was shut down and our screens and everything else, which is entirely possible. 
But it makes you realize that while we have this, we need to use it for positive use. Mm-hmm. And we need to make our homes a sacred place where, in a sense, they are an altar to the Lord. Um, we need to, to allow prayer and Bible study and godly conversation to become a priority for our own lives in our homes. Um, remember Moses, when he was uh, in, in Deuteronomy 6, he's getting ready to finish his life. But he's challenging the people saying, if you'll obey these commands, if you'll keep them in your hearts and minds, you can prosper. And so he was giving them a formula to to see things go well for a long time. And uh, he said, you've got to teach them to your children. Speak of them as you sit in your house, as you walk on the road, as you lie down, as you get up. Tie them as a reminder on your forearm, fasten them as symbols on your forehead, inscribe them on the door frames of your houses and gates. Firstly, everything you do, everything that you participate in needs to be speaking of this. So this is our opportunity to change. It's our opportunity to to go learn and to do differently, to trust God boldly. It's interesting to me, the New Testament church didn't have buildings. It's hard for me to conceive of doing church without this church building. And yet, that's where we're at right now. And so this time will forever change us. The New Testament church got it done. We can too. The church is God's universal vessel for advancing his kingdom and that won't change so even though we're home we're still the church and we're going to continue to take forward the i want to uh, close with a couple things i want to uh, mention that young life had called his people to pray psalm 91 for 91 days and uh, it's a, a powerful psalm that I'm going to read, but uh, it comes out of part of the tradition that uh, historians will and commentators will do is that uh, during David's time when he called for a census that he wasn't supposed to have, knowing we're in a census here, but uh, <laughs> anyway, pestilence came on the land. 70,000 people died in that small nation. So, you know, we, we're looking at the numbers every day of, of people dying, but you can imagine the effect on a single small nation just to lose 70,000 of its population. And he has this angelic encounter with the angel as he's destroying things. And David ends up building an altar at that very site. And later on, Solomon's temple supposedly was built on that site as well. And so in that, uh, he recognizes that God is the one who oversees all of life. And he writes Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness 
nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you will make him the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's pray these things. Mm -hmm. Let's pray that this virus cease. Many nations around the world are suffering, some of them much greater than the effect that's been on us so far. Let's pray that we grow as God intends and that we learn our new and necessary skills quickly. Let's pray that our witness of Christ will be impactful, even without close physical conversation. Let's pray that our leaders will make wise decisions while balancing the contrasting needs of public health and economic stability. These are all big prayers, but we should be praying them regularly. 